So I'll, I'll say a couple of words on, on Hanukkah, okay? And, um, you know, just a lot of things you could say and so on. But the, the, what's, just the, the, the central idea, the central idea of what Hanukkah really is, uh, what exactly, what, what are we looking at? What are we trying to remember? And uh, what, what are Chazal trying to teach us from, from the whole mice of Hanukkah? The truth is, when we look at Hanukkah, the, the biggest question, really, in a sense, there's a lot of questions, but one of the biggest questions is why in the Alanism there's, there's no mention of the nace of the lights, of the of the of the menorah, uh, of the uh, of the oil. The only mention is of the military victories, and the Alanism doesn't say a thing about about we just recovered Shmuel you know, it just doesn't really say much about the, the whole, the true nace of Hanukkah, which is what we really, um, what we really indicate, the whole concept of the, of the, of the Hanukkah lech, the lights, and, and, and the nace that you had eight days of oil uh, on a one-day supply, eight days of the candles, the menorah burned for eight days on a supply of one day. And that's, of course, is a mess. That's a physical mess. And... Um, since the main concept of Hanukkah is the concept of Pesumanisa, really the question is why doesn't Alanisa mention that at all? Um, I'm sure I'm not the first one to ask that question. And uh, I'm not sure what other people say about that or something. Uh, <clears throat> but, but that's obviously a tremendous contradiction about what Hanukkah is and so on. Uh, so what we're trying to understand is what, 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 what was so important about the event of Hanukkah that Chazal, the sages say that we, we needed to make a special, almost like a yontif in a sense, uh, to commemorate this, this type of event and to learn from the event uh, and so on. When you, when you look at his, human history, okay, we see many things happening, okay, many things. We see different peoples, different nations, different interactions of nations, wars, and a lot, a lot of things going on and so on. But the question is, what, what's really going on in terms of Ruchnius, in terms of the, the inner dimensions of the world? What changes over there as human history kind of progresses? And, and the answer is something that very few people really, really realize or understand. And it's the relationship, basically, between Ruchnius and Gashmius. Most people think that the Vajon made Ruchnius, okay? He made the spiritual world. He made Gashmius, or the physical world, okay? And he created both of these worlds, and, and we kind of exist in both. But the two worlds, Ruchnius and Gashmius, are static, means their relationship remains basically the same, you know, from the beginning to the end. From the beginning of the creation of the world to the end of time, which is when the Mashiach arrives and we start to look at what's called Olam Haba. But the truth is that's, that's not true at all. And a tremendous amount of our ability to understand what happens in world history has to do with the continuously changing interaction between Ruchnis and Gashmis. Now, what, what am I really talking about? And I, I just think that very, 
very few people really understand that Muktis and Gashmis are two places or two systems that interact in, a, in what's called a dynamic way where their interaction changes over time. And because it changes over time, the way we see existence itself changes. And Hanukkah has to do with that on some level. Where Chazal suddenly saw a new relationship between Muchnius and Gashmius, between the spiritual world and the physical world. And they realized that this new relationship that would exist between the two will be here to stay until the end of history. What exactly is the relationship between the two? And I'm not sure, I think I spoke about this when I was speaking. Is there another thing anyone remembers uh, in terms of that song? But fundamentally, Vuchtis and Gashmis, okay, have related to each other in three <coughs> separate ways, three what's called major ways that they've changed throughout history. The first interaction of the two is the time of Adamarushin before the sin. Vuchtis and Gashmis, what, what exactly is Vuchtis what, what and Gashmis? And it's a, it's a big shock in a certain sense. Olam Haba is a world what's called Olam Anitzchi. It's a world which is eternal. What does that mean, it's eternal? It doesn't mean it's a world that lasts forever. What it means is that the, there's a world or a situation, a matzav, or a situation where there is no time, where existence is not measured in time. We cannot comprehend this, but it means that we exist in a way where there's no past, there's no present, and there's no future. The gradations of time that we see do not exist in Olam Haba. There's no such thing as the past or the future and so on. That's what Olam Haba is, which means that it's, it's a situation which is beyond anything that we, we, have, we have experienced or can experience. Olam Hazer, which is the world we live in, is a world which is fundamentally governed or dominated by time, past, present, and future, and space. Space means that there's a separation between things and entities. Olam Haba do not have the parameters, these ideas of time and space at all. What is it like? That's a long schmooze. I mean, we'd have to really look into a whole different thing and so on, understand something about the, what's called in the invariant or unchangeable nature of existence itself. But basically, Vuchtis and Gashmias have nothing to do with Olam Haba. It's a shocking concept. That Olam Haba is not Gashmias, of course. It's not Vuchtis. Why is that? How do we know that? Or rather, you know, how, how, how am I understanding this? Because both Vuchtis and Gashmias, both of these worlds, are worlds that are connected to time. Vuchtis also has time, past, present, and future, right? A person passes away, we say he goes to Ruchnius, he can come back down, whatever the story is. Even in Ruchnius, you have a concept where Gehenim is for 11 months. And fundamentally, there's a past and there's a present. It means there's a, there's a concept of time in Ruchnius, in the world of Ruchnius, where something isn't and then it became. There are changes that take place. If you have anything to do with change, then you have to do with time. Time really 
is the ability of existence to change. That's what it means. Time is change. Time in and of itself, there's no such real entity called time. But what time really is, is the notion that somehow the way you exist has the ability to change so that you exist in a different way. And that change means you're going from a before to an after. If you're going to a before and after, well, that's a change. That's time. Before is called past. After is called what? Present. And that which is to be is called future. So this notion of change creates something called a dynamic concept, which is something which is movable. Oina Mahapo is not movable. It doesn't move. It's static. Existence doesn't change. It's always the same. In Oina Mahapo, there's no such thing as before and after. It is what it is, and, and that's it. Therefore, there's no real f feeling of, of time in, in, that, in that sense at all. But because Wuchtis and Gashmis have to do with time, okay, they, they, they have to do with change and so on, obviously they're not part of Ilam Haba, which is very difficult for most people to understand. Most people think, okay, is that when a person passes away, okay, then people think that he actually goes to Ilam Haba, which of course he doesn't. He either goes to Gan Eden, which is a form of Wuchtis, a spirituality, well, or Gehenna or something. But when a person goes to Gan Eden and so on, people think sometimes that that's Oilam Haba. There's nothing to do with Oilam Haba. All the people, all the people in Gan Eden are waiting for one thing. All those souls that exist in Oilam Haba, I mean, in Gan Eden, in, which is in the spiritual world, they're waiting. Does anyone have an idea what they're waiting for? Well, not, yes, yes, but not, not, not critically. All of them, they're all waiting. And when suddenly there's a horn that's blown in the world of Ruchnius, announcing something, they, the excitement is incredible in Ghana. Incredible. What are they waiting for? They're not waiting for, well, I mean, does anyone, what, what are they waiting up there in Ghana? What's that? Why are they waiting for Shia? No, well, no. I mean, what are they imminently awaiting? What they're waiting for, okay, is the ability to come back to the world of Gashmias. That's what they're waiting to come back into their bodies. They're waiting for Tchiasamesim, or what's called the resurrection of the dead. That's what they're waiting for. Does anyone have any idea why they're waiting for this? Really? Why are they waiting for Tchiasamesim to come back to their bodies? Why are they waiting for that? <coughs> Most people think that Triyasa Mesa means that people will no longer die, which is true. But that's not the power of Triyasa Mesa. The power of Triyasa Mesa is not that people will no longer die. That happens to be something that occurs. But that's not its godless. That's not the greatness of Triyasa Mesa. We all say Mechaya Mesa, you know, what's the, what, what is it? What, we say to Bonisham that we're looking forward, okay, for the resurrection of the dead. When I mean we're looking forward, I mean it's not only us, but every neshama in the Shemayim, every soul is waiting to come back to his body and renew himself. Why is everyone waiting for this? I mean, you know, we all say the broch over there. What are we talking about? Simple question. No real answer. Well, at least not yet. 
but it gives more reality than existence. What it is, this is critical. It's that Ruchnis and Gashmias suddenly come together. There is no world of Ruchnis anymore that's disconnected from Gashmias and no physical world that's disconnected from Ruchnis. They both return to the same kind of interaction that they had by Adam Rishin before he sinned. Where the Neshama and the Guf were fundamentally merged, they were connected. Like I have two fingers where I take a finger here. This is, let's say, Ruchnius, spirituality. This is Gashmius, or physicality. And this is what it looked like, if you'll notice. Both of them are separated, yet there's a central core where they're both equal. They're the same. This is the two position of Ruchnius and Gashmius. After the sin of Adam Rishon, this is what happened. Two separate worlds. When these two worlds of Ruchtis and Gashmias separated, they became Olomos, or worlds. Before the sin of Adam Rishon, Ruchti and Gashmias were not really worlds, not truly. There was no such thing as Gan Eden, right? And there was no such thing as any of these things. Why do I say that? There was none of these things. There were no organizations, I hate to use the word, but uh, there was no institutions in Gan Eden, like, uh, like you know, Yeshiva Shamala. It didn't exist, you see. Why do I say that? Because fundamentally, you need to understand, and this, I, I, I've kind of said this when I was here, but, but it's, a, it's extremely important to, to really understand. If you don't understand this, you're, you're missing fundamentally who you are and where we're all going. Fundamentally, what it is, is that <clears throat> there are two realities. One is called Ruchnius and one is called Gashmius. But they're not worlds. They're really lenses, like a glass lens. If you look through glasses, through a lens, you see certain things, okay? If I have glasses on and I have two lenses, one is colored blue and let's say one is colored green, each lens shows me a different color, so they look different in sense in that way. But the glasses that a person wears is not the person, it's not his eyes. His eyes, which is connected to his head, is the person, okay, transcends, it goes beyond what lenses. Wuchtins and Gashmias are simple lenses. What they do is when I'm looking at them, they show me an Eulamor world that looks a certain way. What is the name of the Ruchnistika lens that shows me the color blue? It's called an Ashama. An Ashama, which we call a soul, is a lens. Okay? The Ashama is a lens, or it's a container or a vessel of some sort that holds the person. But the person is not his Ashama. Not really. The goof is another lens that holds the person, and the person is not his goof. He's really what? He is a person or a sense of what? Let's try and get some idea without going too deep into this. A person is really a certain entity called a self, which we have never seen. It's amazing. Everyone sitting at this table is a self, yet you have no idea what you are. You see, if I tell a person, I say to a person, I said, look, I want you to take off your suit jacket, your suit, you know? Let's say, or let's say he has a coat. Or let's say he has a suit. I say, take off, are you your suit? And he says, no, I'm not my suit. Good, take off your suit. He takes off a suit. Then I say to him, 
Well, what are you now? You're your shirt and your pants? You're not that. Take off your shirt and pants. I'm sorry about the sneeristic issue here. My apologies, but I'm trying to get you. Don't do it. So he takes off his shirt and pants, and he's got left with underwear. And then I say to him, well, what are you? Are you underwear? No, I'm not my underwear. So in other words, take off your underwear. So in other words, fundamentally, we're looking at what's called levushim, where they say what's called a hislapshus, where a person is not as goof, okay, He's not, a good, he's not his neshama. So technically speaking, if I want to take anyone, if I want to get to you, really, okay, what I would first have to do is take your goof away. That's number one. Then what are you left with? You're left with a neshama. Then I say, well, are you your neshama? No, you're not. So I have to take away your neshama. And then when I took away both of them, I'm left with you. Now, what is that? Okay. It's just amazing that we are all these things and we have no concept of what that is. You are a being, an entity, a being that has self-awareness. It's pure consciousness. It's what it is. That's all you are. You are a being that is a self that has something called self-awareness. You are aware of yourself. And that's an entity. That's what you are. That's it. What? What? What is that? <laughs> Very good question. One day we'll all find out. Oilam Hapa is a place where you go as a self. You don't take your goof with you. You don't take your neshama with you. What do you go? You go as you are a self. It means it's an entity of some sort that has total self-awareness. That's it. What does that look like? With this? I have the slightest idea in any sense, in that, in that kind of sense. But it's a self. And that's you. That's, it's, you, know, you we can use terms in uh, some nice scientific terms. Call like an ego, but it's not. It, it's just simply it's the self that is aware of itself. I am. That's what you say, and you're an entity that has the ability to say I am, and through that ability you exist. You exist by saying I am. You see, and that and that's really what that's Olam Haba. The problem is in getting to Olam Haba, you got a real big problem called Namik Sufa, which is a problem in self. You see it. Self is what you are. You are an act of self-awareness all the time. And that is the way you exist. That creates a problem of Namak Sufa. Now, my goal really is not necessarily to go into this concept of Namak Sufa as such. What is that problem? But in order to solve the problem, the Bodhisham said very simply, you've got to, in, in that thing, the Bodhisham simply says, you feel very disempowered in that state. Why is that? Because there's a part of you that's mamash and You know, kind of moving off to a different direction. Here, but so aren't you your neshama? No. You're not your neshama? No, you're not. What's What is that? Okay, you are not your neshama, you are not your guf. What are you? You are neshama. What does that actually mean? Okay. And I'm not going to kind of move into that because I really didn't want to go into this thing. The difference... Okay, I'm just going to run it and do the best you can. You are a, a symptom of, of a being called the Ein Seif. Now the Ein Seif is not the Banishana. It's not. The Ein Surf is something also which is here, 
which comes from the Barajam, who precedes it. And the Ein Sof itself, okay, the distinguishing quality of an Ein Sof is two things. Number one, it's Ein Sof. It means that it has no border. Border means there's nothing that can distinguish it. In order for me to say this, you know, like if I, if I look at this, this fork and I say this, okay, the word this points to a fork, this. But the word this points to something specific. Something specific means it has a border. It could be identified, right? You know, let's say it's made of plastic, it has a couple of hooks over here, it's used to plunge the thing into food and pick it up. That, it, this is a this, it's an entity and so on. It has a certain definition. We understand what a fork is and so on. The Ein Soif is really, in a certain sense, like a self that's conscious, but there's no border to it. What that means is that you can't use the word this. We have no comprehension what something is like without a border. Everything we know, existence as we know it, always exists within a border, within a certain what's called a context or a definition or something. The answer has no definition. It has no features. It has no characteristics. There's nothing in it that I can point to and say this and so on. So the answer fundamentally, but what we, what, 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 so that's the first thing. So the answer is again is an entity that has no border. But it has another thing about it which is very interesting, in which why it's there, in a sense, why the, the Bonisham, in his true being called Atzmusoy, developed it, whatever, however he developed that. It's able to suddenly take a part of itself and give it a border. That's right. It took a part of itself in some incredibly mysterious way that we cannot comprehend because we have no way to comprehend what the thing is. And suddenly, it moved away from itself in a sense, and part of itself suddenly took on an actual border. So it's like a self, an entity of self that's bordered. It knows itself through what's called self-awareness. Self-awareness is an idea that we can understand, you know, the knowledge of self. So suddenly the ancient <coughs> took on a certain knowledge of itself and suddenly took on a border. So it's really, it's an ancient that now has a border. What is that? Who is that? That's us. We are a bordered Ainsoif. That's what we are. That's what Simpson is. Simpson means that the Ainsoif, this entity without border, was able to suddenly do something which we see as something called Simpson. But you have to understand, Simpson itself is an idea which we understand, okay? It's some form of an abridgment of some sort. Um, that's, that's in a border. So we have no idea how an Ainsof moves to suddenly give itself a border. Because before that border, it's incomprehensible. So when it can't even go there. We are a bordered Ainsof, which means that you are an Ainsof. You simply... Is it the goof of the Neshama no. Shabim? No. Is it the goof of the Neshama no. Shabim? No, no, no. It's an Elokar. When you say the word Elokar, which is a divine being in that sense, the part of you that that's in a, a car is the ain't safe. The part of you that's what? That's not the ain't safe, it's called a chelek. So you're a chelek elokar mimar atzmusay. Three levels. So you are an ain't safe with a border. Mazel tov. Why are all the, the, the cells different then? They all come from the same source. They're all pieces. Yeah, I. I 
I, I, I don't want to go. Okay. Again, I, I don't want to really go into this because we're going to start to go into much of this and that. So, but that's a thing. So what, what happened exactly? What, what exactly happened? Namnik Sufa is a fundamental problem. Namnik Sufa is a problem in that there is a certain contradiction between the Eloka of you, which has no border, okay, and the Chelek of you, which has a border. It's between the bordered and unbordered elements of who you are. And when the two come together, there's a very powerful feeling, a disempowerment. You feel a tremendous chalisha, which is called a busha. But it's just a feeling of disempowerment between two different natures that came together. You see what I'm saying? And that's the problem. The problem is, is that when you have a border, suddenly something new happens with a border. When you have a border, okay, it means that a new kind of construction exists. What is that? It's called an inside and an outside. An inside is you, the inside. Outside is not you, whatever that means. So there's something called me and there's something called not me. The only reason why you can feel there's me and then there's not me, whatever's not me, is because you have a gavul or you have a border. So what a border did to you, okay, basically, is it gave you a feeling that I'm, the me part is inside, there's a, that's my inside, as opposed to the not me part, which is outside. What is the not me? You don't know. All you know is you sense that there's something about existence that's not you. That's a chalisha. The answer has no such problem. It has no outside and no inside because it has no border. So it's all existence. The statement Enoi Mervado applies to the Ainsaf. Why? Because it's not that it, there's nothing outside. It's not that there's nothing outside of it. Enoi, there's nothing besides it. It has no outside. It is everything. It is existence itself. It's no outside. It's no inside. It is everything that's possible. It is existence itself. But as soon as I give you a border, you're in trouble. What's the trouble? Suddenly, you have a feeling that you know something? I'm not everything that exists. I'm not. And the, the part of you which is Eloki is disturbed. Because the true nature of Eloki is there is no outside. But because I have a gavul or boundary, which is called me, I feel me not me. That's Nam Sufa. Big problem. That's why it can't be avoided. You want to say, why did the Bodhisattva create someone without Nam Sufa? Well, the problem is as soon as you have symptoms, you have Nam Sufa. One comes from the other. The point, and here's the thing, what is the problem with that? What is the problem? The problem is that it's a disturbance in who you are. As long as you feel that there's something, there's an outside, okay, you're going to have a problem in Elam Haba. You will. Because the real shlemus of feeling an Eloki is, is not there anymore. Why is it a busha though? I mean, maybe it's a, the word busha, which means... Like that's why I said the word busha, the word busha normally means shame. I don't know if you know what shame is psychologically. Shame is a feeling that you have when you feel that there's something wrong with you, as opposed to guilt, which is there's something wrong with what you did. Shame is that there's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm defective. That's shame. 
in the case of self at the highest level, that's called basically a disempowerment. I don't use the word shame. Shame is already a feeling you're having when you're in your guff. But in its most abstract form, you feel disempowered. It's like your kichas are suddenly are, are compromised in some way. And it is compromised. You know, you take an ain't safe and you give it a gvul. That's compromise. Serious compromise. And that's what Nam is. But does it have to be this way? Meaning... If you're going to make something which has no gvul into something which has a gvul, it, has to be, it, it does come out this way. Why not just call it bush? The word bush is the closest you can get to what, the word bush is. Because they, 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 you know, the, the, I guess it's a, it's a tanoic state actually. So it's called the Namadik Sufa, it means better shame. It means it, the closest we can feel it is that when we suddenly have something or get something that we really don't deserve, we did nothing to earn it, and it was simply given to us. There's a certain feeling of lack of power. The word power is very important. Power means existence. If I'm powerful, I control existence. If I'm not powerful, I don't control it. In the end, because the Ain Sof is all existence, it's the single most powerful thing that there is. It's everything. It is existence. There's nothing more powerful than that. Well, there is. The Banisha Matsmusa beyond that. But besides that, it's the most powerful thing. Here it comes along and takes a piece of itself, if I may say, and makes what's called a Zulosoi, what we call a Zulosoi, something that has a boundary. That boundary thing, that boundary being <coughs> called self, has big problems in the way it's aware and so on. But, okay, we're not going to go into full. This state of being, right after Tzimtzum, is Olam Haba. It is Olam Haba. The the Zulasai, or the the being, the self that's created by Tzimtzum, is really (coughs) Olam Haba. What is Olam Haba really? And this is a very subtle concept. Oilam Haba fundamentally is a certain state of existence. It's very hard to imagine that. We, we can imagine change, right? Like for example, if I, let's say this fork is here and now I move it here, right? Nothing happened to the fork except the position changed. So I say things can change their position, right? Things can change in other ways. The way you look, you get older, you look different. You gain weight, get gray, you change, you see. Things change in our mind. We know more, we know less. Things can change. But the fact that we exist never changes. It's just the fact that we are. That doesn't change. We are, and that's it. And we always are the same way. Our growth may change, certain things changes, but the fact that we are is there, you see, and so on. That doesn't change. The shocking thing is that that also can change. You see, and this is the problem. The problem is that being itself or existence, which is very abstract, itself can change. There can be different ways that that happens. And I'm not going to go into this. That's a, it's a very difficult study, the concept of how being itself changes. But this is the point. Namik Sufa is Olam Haba. It's you at the highest level. The problem is that the highest level has got some real problems to it. You feel disempowered because you sense that you are not all existence. Why? Because you have a border. You know, so there's something that belongs to you and something that doesn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what has to happen is you've got to get rid of that. You can't get rid of the border. That's impossible. If you got rid of your border, do you know what would happen to you? 
If you took away your, if you were able to remove your border, what would you be then? You'd lose yourself. What? You'd be inside. You'd lose bite. The border is the the chalik is what's made the elokar you know different from an inside. It's that border that just distinguishes you. You can't get rid of it. You see? What? But what you have to do is in some way dilute it. You have to dilute that feel that that thing and so on in some way so it doesn't feel disempowered. Now, is that possible? Okay, okay, now we come on to real, real serious issues about the concept of change in tone. Olam Hapa is that state. It's a state right after fundamentally where you were what? Where you are in a, um, uh, 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 you, you have a border, but without Nam Sufa. Once you've removed that disempowerment feeling, okay, you've got a border in a way, Okay, but it doesn't make you feel disempowered anymore. The chalik and the little car integrate into a new bria that never existed before. So why did anyone that's the true. That's a true yeshme ayin. The true yeshme ayin is what is you after you fix namik sifa. Because what you are after you fix that problem is something that didn't exist before. You see. And that introduces the whole notion of change and so on. But okay. Now, the Bunisham therefore said, we got to get rid of this. How are we going to get rid of this? How? So the Bunisham said, the problem is what's called a yichud problem. Yichud. I have to create a yichud between you and yourself. So somehow the me and the not me doesn't feel like so powerfully distinct from each other. You see what I'm saying? So what the Bunisham says is, I'm going to now give you an ability to decide your madreg of yichud. This is a very important concept, okay? So I'm telling you a very big chiddish, okay? Some of you will be disturbed, some of you will not. When you remove this feeling of not me as a contrary, as a steerer, contradiction to the me, okay? We say you've attained a certain level, there's a tikkun of Namdak Sufa, but we call that tikkun teferis. Teferis, or beauty. It means somehow you've rectified yourself and you've established a certain internal yichud between you and your existence. So there's no steer anymore, even with a border. Okay. What is the name of that teferis? What is the name of suddenly that reconciliation? What is that reconciliation where you reconcile the me and the not me so there's no feeling of a disempowerment? Okay, the name of that, and this is going to be somewhat shocking, the name of that is the Shechina. Many people think that the Shechina is the Badashan. It's not true. The Shechina is not God. It is not. The Shechina is the God that's in you. The part of you that is the Ainsaf. When the Ainsaf is in you, that's called the Shechina. When you reconcile yourself with that Eloki in you, you have been masakin, what's called the Golos, the true Golos of the Shechina, which is Nam Sufa. You need to remember something, and this is very important. Oilam Haba is not a place where we recognize the Gornishal. It's not. This is a, this is a very... We, we, don't, we, we, we don't come closer to the Bonisham as he is. We never do. We have no shaykhs there. 
We have no shaykhs to the Ein Sof, which has no gavul. How are we going to have shaykhs to that which has nothing to do with gavul at all? It's beyond even that. You never have shaykhs to that. The only thing you have shaykhs to is the Ein Sof, which is in you. That Ein Sof, which you then can feel as you remove the border problem, if I may call Nam Sufa, is called Shina. You know, when it says Sadiqim Yoshim, Vitwaseim there's a very deep mystery to that. Sadiqim Yoshim means that what? It means fundamentally that that's called Oilam Habor. But there's, there's no movement or change anymore. So we call that Yeshiva, Sadiqim Yoshim. They sit, means they're static. There's no change in them at all. Okay? Vitwaseim Yoshim. Their atoh or their crown. What is the crown? Really? The crown is the avoider to reconcile a bordered entity between the me and the not me. And the avoider that they did by unifying those two aspects so that you no longer feel the contradiction of the border, that's called an atorah or a crown. The nenem zivashchina is your nene from who? From you. Suddenly you feel the key part of you without the blemish of Nam You know what, you kind of see this a little bit and it's hinted. In the Chumash in the Torah, when the when the Torah, when suddenly Kalisol builds the Mishkan, right? Why did they build the Mishkan? They built the Mishkan, why? Because of the Chet of the Egel, right? The Masaka. What happens if they didn't do a Chet of the Egel? Would there have been a Mishkan? What? No. No. Well, wait a minute. You know how much part of the Torah talks about the Mishkan and the mitzvahs that are connected with the Mishkan? Yeah, so then what would have been? So what would have been? Let me tell you something about the Torah itself. It's a very strange book in a certain way. Because the Torah or the Maisim in the Torah itself are what's called, what's called secondaries. The essence is that we were made in a way, we have to massacre this border issue, okay? And we're supposed to do it in a way which leaves us in a very good place. If we fail to do that, then there's something called something called an alternative. If that alternative fails, then we go through a second alternative and a third alternative, which means that the Torah is really a, a, a narration of the story of alternatives, okay? That's really what it is. The Torah that we have, okay, is a statement of alternatives. We were never supposed to have the Mishkan, right? We were never supposed to, we were never supposed to be in the desert for 40 years. Almost everything you see there was never supposed to happen. It was supposed to begin and end with other Mauritian, and that was it. Anything after other Mauritian when he sinned is something called an alternative. And then his alternative was Kainan Hover. Their alternative was Noach, the Mabel. Their alternative was the Flogger. Their alternative was Avram and Kalisrael. So what we see is the term is nothing more than a story of continuous what's called Bidi-Evidic alternatives that nobody wanted, really. You see what I'm saying? The Shaila is, wait a minute, the Torah is the story of all these alternatives, then what really is the Torah, really? So obviously the Torah is in two forms. It's in the form itself of what's called its two depth, which is its tikkun and its establishment of the tik of a tikkun, and then all what's called the alternative establishments of that tikkun. 
I mean, if you really want to count how many alternatives we're into in the year 5,775, it's like thousands of alternatives in that sense. But the first alternative was Adam Rishon and so on. If, what, what the Torah says very clearly, if there was no hate to the ego, then what, what, what would we have had? Where would the Shekhinah be? Where would the Shekhinah be? <coughs> What's that? Everybody. Then the Shekhinah would be inside of you. Well, what does that mean inside of me? What is that? Is that God? No. The Buddhism doesn't exist inside of you. Then what is that? That's what the word shochen, shochan to reside. What it is is the shechina is the ensof that's in you. Okay, right before it takes on a border, it's the ensofest quality that we all possess. And that's really what we are. It's a shocking thing if you really think of you. Every one of you is an ensof with a border. That's it. It's the simplest definition of what you are. What's called the chelik el That's it. And you have to masakin that disturbance between these two elements. The shechina is the ain't which is in you when it's reconciled with your border so there's no feeling anymore of a disempowerment or what's called anatomy. You suddenly feel. What's that? Shechina that goes from Gaulas to the country to country. Is there another shechina in the world? Besides? No, no, that's it. No. The shechina, you go into Gaulas and Gaulas. So the ain't in you goes into Gaulas, takes on other borders. In essence, I, it's hard to understand this and so on because everyone is... What does it mean, Gaul sent When the Yidin went to Babel, then the Shechina came to Babel. The Shechina is following them, they are, the they are. The Shechina exists outside of you? Yes. Your Shechina exists outside of you? Is it different levels? And then comes in. You follow your own The Shechina is the ain't in you when it's reconciled with the border. That is the Elokah. That's what you experience. You establish a yichud in yourself on an incredible level. That's the shechina. What does it mean shechina is in Golis by Edoim or by any other nation? It empowers the other nation. That's... I really don't want to go into that, but that talks about the concept of the zulosoi, the concept of the, of, 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 of the zulosoi when he is split into many, many people. When you have the Zulasi becomes many people, not one person and so on. So the ain't safe, which is in all of them, okay, suddenly it means that the, the, the Shrinin Golas means that the ain't safe, which is in you, suddenly becomes further and further away from feeling it or hearing it. You become more and more distant from the Eloki in you. Physical That's what distance. it means. What's that? Physical distance. No, it's a walk needs to be distant from the Elohim. But, you know, I, I really don't want to get caught up in, in this part, okay? Shana, uh, how do you fix the problem of one mitzvah? It sounds like the problem is bigger than the solution. No, it's not, because what is that mitzvah? Now you come to the concept of a mitzvah. What exactly is a mitzvah? Really, what is a mitzvah? What is a mitzvah? What does it do for you? How does it work? breaks itself, subjugates to the higher self, I mean, to the higher being. Because what it does is, it destroys the concept of not me. No, it destroys the concept of me. It destroys me. No, it destroys the concept 
of the me, not me, that duality is destroyed. How is that, how is that destroyed, really, in a sense? Because fundamentally, when you sense that there's something outside of me, I'm not all of existence, you sense, okay, that that outside of me is Bonusha. Who's the outside? There's, there's only, there's me and there's, there's the Bonusha, that's it. If I sense there's a not me, then I sense that the Bonusha is outside of me. And if he's outside of me, it means I am outside of him. That is a major problem in terms of you, your Elohim, and, 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 and your border and so on. The whole thing is the sense that the Banisham is not outside you, but he is you. Olam Habo can be summarized fundamentally in one sentence. The Banisham says to you, and it's not easy to get this, there's a contradiction in the sentence. What the Banisham says to you, or the Ain Soif in this case, okay, says to you, I am you. I am you, but you are not me. I am you, I am. I'm not outside of you. I'm not, uh, it was, you're, you're not outside of me, and because you're not outside of me, I am you. But because you have a border, you sense yourself as separated from me, which is all right, and so on. It is. But that's, Olam Habo is the ability to feel that, a tremendous actus with your own ain surface element in you, okay, in a sense that you are it, even with a border, and so on. And the way you accomplish that is with a mitzvah. That's how you do it. When you say, when the Bunnichim says, I'm gonna give you a mitzvah and do this, if you do this, then you're saying to me, fundamentally, that I'm you. But there's no difference between the two of us. Even though you feel yourself as opposed to me, Okay, you also feel me inside of you. That feeling in its highest level is only a feeling in Ulam Haba. We cannot truly sense that. But what we can sense, and now we're going to get onto the concept of Rokhdis and Kashmis, is something called an organism. It's called an organismic perception or organismic unity or yichud. What is an organism? That's the question. You see it. What is an organism? So there are two types of relationships. One is called an individual, and the other is called an organism. For example, in the human body, you have many different organs. You have the heart, for example, and let's say you have the liver. Whether you realize it or not, those two are separate organs, but they're part of one body. It means they all serve together to bring life to the body. So even though they're separate from each other, they're really completely connected. That's called an organismic relationship. It is so powerful that the body does not recognize, okay, any other organ from another body, because the body says, that's not my organ. That's not part of my organism. Your liver and your heart know each other. They know each other, even though they never met. One is on the top of the body, one is on the bottom of the body. They never met as such, but they know each other. They recognize each other as a chavraya, as a kehila of one entity, even though they're all separate. That's called an organismic relationship. Or you can have a relationship where two beings do not recognize each other. They're totally separate, they're individuals, like in this table, okay? We have a bunch of guys in this table, okay? Do we feel, really, do we sense that we're an organism here? No, we sense that we're all here on the night of December, what, 23rd, listening to a certain cheer. But we don't feel connected at all. 
You don't, we don't feel connected. That's a concept of a stranger. In an organism, when everything connects together for one purpose or theme, there are no strangers. Every organ knows every, every cell in your body knows every cell in the body. There's no such thing as a stranger in an organism. They all know, even though they're separate, but they all are together in the tachas called your guf. As opposed to a bunch of individuals in a group like this. You see it. So this is what the Banisham says. The only way you're going to get rid of Nam Sufa is one way. You have to make me and you one. You've got to see me and you as an organism that you and I are connected in an incredible way, in such a way where we're one being. It's two. You won't feel it totally because you have a border which separates you. But that separation is a minor thing. It will not create a disempowerment. And we're one. Or you can see me and you as totally two separate beings. That's an individual perception. You see it. So the Bodhisattva says the following. I'm going to create a situation where you will be tested. You will be tested between a choice of seeing me and you as an organism or me and you as two separate items. Two separate items where you could simply do whatever you want and rebel against me if you want to do that. You see it. That's what the Bonisham did. And you will choose. If you choose me and you as a single entity of an organism, if you choose that, okay, then you are ready for Ilam Habba, which is when I am you in Ilam Habba. If you choose, however, to see me as what? As outside of your border, and I have nothing, you know, I'm outside of you, okay, then that, 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 you know, that, that removes your Ilam Habba. It leads to what's called Ibud. So that's what the Banisham did. How did he do that? So what he did was, he created two different lenses. One lens, he gave you a pair of glasses. And he said, I'm gonna put two different lenses in those glasses. One lens shows me and you connected. We're an organism. You will feel that. When you look through that lens, you will feel me in you. You see, even though you feel yourself some distinct from me, but you're going to feel I'm in you. That lens is called an neshama. When the self, which is what you are, looks through the neshama, that's its vessel, that's its suit. When, when the person, when the self, which is what the person is, goes into a vessel called a neshama, it senses the Banisham in him as an organism. And what I mean, it doesn't sense it through the mind, it feels it, it sees it. It's sensory. We cannot imagine that either. Because we don't have that. So the Banisham gave the person, the Shama, the ability to sense him as an organism with him, without any effort, automatically. As he senses himself, he senses God. Or the Banisham then gave him another lens in the second eye. In that lens, he feels himself what is called a goof. In that goof, right? When he looks out, he sees everything is separate. We're not connected. I don't feel a connection to any of you. Yeah, I know here that we're connected. All Jews were Eden. And so what was the... But I don't, I don't sense any connection. You know, you can be a stranger to me as fast as you can be a friend at all. Because there's no sense of real connection. You see, it. as I see you, I don't see this Kesha. I don't see the Kesha is not visible at all. But in your neshama, when you're looking through your neshama, every neshama is niskasha with you. As you see other neshamas, you feel them all connected. It's like you see the wiring. You see wiring. Every neshama sees its wiring to every other neshama. 
It's like a wiring, when you see the wiring, you know what I mean? So the Nisham is a certain type of a lens that shows you a certain type of relationship between separate beings. A guf is another kind of lens that sees a different separation, you see. In the end, okay, the Bonisham says, I'm going to give you two lenses, you choose which lens will dominate you, which lens you agree with. And then that lens, okay, both, and then what happens is, let's say, for example, a person chooses the lens of, of the Shama, and he says, yeah, he does, the, he does mitzvahs and so on. Then what the Bonisham says, now that you've done that, you, those two, eye, those eyeglasses, something's going to happen to those glasses. What will happen is, where there are two lenses, suddenly, okay, what happens is that one lens completely takes over. So what used to be two lenses becomes one. It's a monocle. Now you're seeing everything through one, which is in the Shema. And then gradually, the lens called in the Shema integrates into your awareness and it disappears. And you are nothing more than a consciousness of complete unity with God, with Hashem. That's called Zichoth. Zichas is the gradual elimination of what? Of the lenses. The two different ways to see your Kesha or your relationship to the one of That can happen here? What's that? That can happen in Melbourne? No, I mean, no, no, it's not going to happen. So, well, now, the, what's the problem with that? The problem, that's great. But that's all with other mission before the sin. Before the hate, that's with other mad. He had a, he could see, he, other Mishin at the same time could see through his neshama and through his guf. There was some kind of a merger. We cannot understand that merger. Obviously, it's incredibly powerful. You know what I mean? So he's able to feel the organism within the Bonisham, and at the same time, he's able to feel the separation. And he had to try to choose which one does he want to, does he want to move into the organismic connection or the individual connection. And that was his Nisoyan. But he was able to see both or feel both in some way which we cannot comprehend because we don't. But at that stage, Ruchnis and Gashmis were really connected. They're not separate. And they're not Olamas. Ruchnis is not an Olam. Gashmis is not an Olam. The Olam is the eyeglasses with two lenses, whatever that looks, whatever that is. When he did the Chait, what happened was both separated. The Guf and the Neshama separated and they became two different Olamas. Suddenly the Olam of organism suddenly took on certain elements of Gashmias and the Olam of Gashmias took on certain elements of organism. It's what's called an Avuvia. And that's what happened. Never again, they, were, they had features of each other and so on, but fundamentally they were separated. And that's what we live with. What's even worse is throughout history, it gets worse. What the Ramchal calls the Tigboyus Allah. Tigbaris is a Ra is nothing more than what's called the ascendancy or the godless of Ra. What godless of Ra? How does Ra get worse? What do you mean Ra? How does it get worse? It gets worse when Muchtis and Gashmias separate further and further. You see it. Then what happens is Gashmi starts to feel real. Real. Powerful. Gashmi starts to take on a different feel completely. You see it. And Ramchal calls that Tigbaris Allah because Gashmis is becoming stronger and Ruchmis is becoming weaker and so on. So fundamentally what we see in the Madrig of Adam Yishim, we've all the set, okay, he was both. After the Chait, what happened was, 
he now resided in Gashmas. He fundamentally, his entire consciousness was physical. You know, he saw existence the way it is now, where everything is separated. Other mission after the Khay no longer saw an organism of anything. What he saw is individuals. Just everything is an individual, everything is separated. You see. So his residence was in the world of separation, or what we call an old fancy multiplicity, where everything is separate. There's, there's multiple items. That's it. No connections. But he could still feel on some level the concept of what? Of Ruchnius. He was still close closer to Ruchnius. Meaning what? What was that? Nevoah. Nevoah. Other missions suddenly became what's called the Navi in the sense that you know, he can in a certain sense know certain things that are going on in a world, in an organismic world where everything is discussed, everything is connected. But even that he saw in Gashmi's term, which was what? Like visuals. He visually saw the world of Ruchnius. He could never escape. Once he did the hate and he confined himself to the world of Gashmius, he could never break out of it again. So even though he's able to connect to, to, to Ruchnius, in the sense that he visited, he resided in the world of Gashmius, but he visited the world of Ruchnius. And that's the Koyach of Nevoah. So he still had some Shaykhs to Nevoah, because Ruchnius was still not that far away yet. You understand? And that's a Novi. A Novi is someone who lives in Olam, who lives in Gashmius, but he can visit Ruchnius. Visit means he can suddenly go into a Tadema, okay, and almost leave his body, but not quite, and suddenly, on some level, begin to have in visual terms the world of Ruchnius. What's that? He's looking through his neshama? Yeah. He could look through his neshama. That's why the greater the neshama, the greater the ability to see an organism, the higher he's connected to Ruchnius. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't even have to go into a Tadema. Moshe Rabbeinu was so closely connected to his neshama that he, even though he could actually see what's in his through his neshama, but again, he didn't reside there until he went up to the Shemaim to receive the Torah. Again, once Adam Rishon did the Chet, so the world of Gashmias is the key world, the world of multiplicity. But a Navi could go beyond that. Now you need to understand something about Navua. Navua was not an unusual event. Okay, the Gemara says that there were over a million Navim in the, in the first place on Migdish. Navua was a normal, a normal part of consciousness. Where even though you lived in the world of Gashmias, you can reside in the world, you can visit the world of Ruchmias. You could. Still, even though you couldn't come in direct contact anymore. But there had to come a time when even that would be taken away. Even that's taken away. And suddenly, mankind lived in the world of Gashmias and was never again able to visit the world of Ruchmias like Nevoah. When did that happen? When did Ruchmias and Gashmias so far separate that you couldn't even visit the other one anymore? You can still see through it. You have to remember, we still have an Ishama. It's still in us. But it's Koyach, connected the Guf, is so weak that we have, it now represents itself in our Seichel. You know, it's in some way it tells us ideas and thoughts. But we have no Nevoah, we have no way of seeing things in Ruchnias or connecting to that Emes. You see, what point in history suddenly divided 
that where we are cooler Gashmias, fundamentally, and we've lost the ability to even visit what used to be our other lens. What's that? Purim and Hanukkah. Purim and Hanukkah, right. Purim was the start, you see. When suddenly, all those connections to Ruchnius disappeared. There was no more Nes Nigla. Even the story of Esther. It's all Esther. It looks like a story. It looks like a novel. You know, there's no Nisim in that thing. There's no Nes Nigla. If you see a Nes Nigla, you know, you're looking at Ruchnius. Excuse me, you, look, you see something, you know, you see a river split. That's Wuchnius. Because that's a complete. It's not Wuchnius in the sense that you, you see a steer to Gashmius. You still, but you still see. There's evidence of Wuchnius. But it's not Wuchnius still, it just messed up Gashmius. It's not Wuchnius. Yeah, right, it's messed up Gashmius, but we see from that another, another version and so on. But Hanukkah became the final thing. Chazal made Purim and Hanukkah the two critical. Uh, uh, what do you call it, standard bearers of who we are now. Who are we? We are people who reside in the world of Gashmias and we sense the world of Ruchnias only as a thought, as a machshava. No more can we visit it. We have no sensory connection. We can't see it anymore. There's no Nevoah. We don't see any deviation from physical reality. There are no Nisim Nigla. You know what I mean? You have to remember, even Avodah Zorah, right? Like Avodah Zorah. Most people think that what was Avodah Zorah? People used to worship stones. People never worship stones. People are not stupid. Nobody worships stones. But what people did was, they were able to set up a certain system where those stones or those idols became symbols of Korchus that correspond to the Mazolus. And they can control in certain ways these Korchus of Ruchnius. But what happened? It disappeared too. Chazal, the sages, Chazal did not get rid of of, of the Zohar. Can't do that. Only the Bonisham could do that. But they knew it was leaving anyway. They knew, Chazal knew that they were entering into a different world where the relationship or the interaction between Muchtis and Gashmias were becoming further and further apart. And they knew that in this new world called Gashmias, okay, there's no koyach of Ruchnius in the usual sense. Hanukkah was the epitome of that. What happened in Hanukkah? You have to understand what a Jew was like in the time of Hanukkah, fundamentally. Okay? You open up the Chumash and you read the Chumash. Fine, those stories. I mean, honestly, if you live in the time of Hanukkah, which is like 170 BCE and so on and so forth, in that time, and you read the Torah and so on, that looked like Lord of the Rings. I mean, I'm, 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 it looked like some kind of supernatural movie of some sort, or some supernatural story. There were no Nevi'im anymore at that time. The last of the Nevi'im died 300 years before that. You know what I mean? There was no Nisim Nigla, there was nothing. What there was was incredible Chochmah established by Yervonim with the Greeks, who believed in science and technology and philosophy. They believed that what's true is what you can see and what's subject to the senses. You see it. And they believe that man was the greatest of all the creatures on the planet Earth. Therefore, man was God. Even their astrology were all in human forms. And so on. So by the time the Jews, Kalisor, got to the Yavonim, they were Hellenists. They finally said, you know something? We don't see any evidence whatsoever of Ruchnius. There's nothing here anymore. Nothing. The whole Chumash is a story that we have nothing to do with. 
these are nice stories of our past or whatever the stories. That's all they are. You know, nobody lived anymore that saw a Navi or a Nace or anything anymore. So it was an incredible Nasoyim. It was a turning point in the history of Kalisrael when the Tigbois between Muftis and Gashmias had established such a point when the residence was completely in Gashmias and all forms of Wachmias took a tremendously lower descending order which you have no shaykhs to anymore. That is a very big Nesoyen. And that was the Nesoyen of Hanukkah. You see it. What was the Nesoyen? The Nesoyen wasn't between the Greeks and the Jews. It wasn't the war. That's not the Indian. The Nesoyen was, does the Bonishim exist in this world of Gashmias? Where is he? What is he? You see it. What? What Wachmias? You see my point. The real battle of Hanukkah is the battle of the Hellenists. The ones who believed in Greek philosophy where man was the supreme being and physicality was the extreme domain. That's gosh, that's really what's going on over here and so on. Ruchnis didn't exist anymore. So the Shailas, how could Klausur live in a world where there was no evidence of Ruchnis anymore? When the whole Torah is a book that narrates the whole story of Ruchnis. You see what I'm saying? It's like Judaism, if I may say, became completely irrelevant. Outdated, anachronous. It does. It's not gay anymore. What does that have to do with me? You know, it, it had the same quality. Like I told, if you read the book Lord of the Rings or some one of these supernatural kind of books, it's the same thing. This was the Messiah of Kalisrael. At that moment, they had to create a new form of Judaism, one where there is no connection anymore to Luchnis as we know it. In that sense. But it's Kula Gashmias. And in that sense, they had to say, you know something? This is simply a matzav. This is the current state of Ruchnias and Gashmias. That's all. But the Bonishim is still there. You know, it's, all the things that once existed still exist. They don't exist anymore. And that, and that we don't see it. The only change in Judaism was not what exists, right? But what can be seen. They had to realize that everything that was there before is still here now. It is still the Bonisham acting in history. Dashgocha. Everything is still the same. The only difference is you can't see it anymore. You see it. He will not allow you to see it with any real kind of evidence. So they had to bring so for the first time there had to be Makabul and Eloki, which was what? A Ruchnis, which is completely inaccessible to a human being and fundamentally that's really what it was and that's the story of Hanukkah <clears throat> that's why the Ikanes which they demonstrated was that they fought against the Greeks but their fighting against the Greek wasn't so much a question of liberty I don't know that the Greeks said you know you're gonna be slaves there wasn't a slavery the, the, the Greeks the Syrian Greeks did not oppress them and made them slaves what it said is forget about your Michigan and Luchnius. It doesn't exist anymore. And of course, there were certain oppressivenesses and there were persecutions in that sense. But it was a Ruchnistic persecution. It wasn't like Haman, where he wanted to destroy the Jews. You see. So what, what, was the big, what was the big problem over here? You see it. The problem was is they realized that they had to recapture Judaism or the Torah in a new definition, in a new malbush that they never had before. And that's what they did. And they fought against the Greeks, even though the Greeks were much greater in number.
How could they win? Because they said very simply, if the Torah is emistic and the Banishon exists and functions in a world of total Hester, we can still win. Who wins a war is not totally in Teva. Teva is the Mechusta. Teva is what covers it up, you see. But the Hashgacha can be there for us as much as if we are a fraction of the Greeks as opposed to a larger number. So they were Moisa Nefesh. They knew they could all get killed. But the Messias Nefesh to establish the Torah in a different Malbush, in a Malbush of Haskolo or Chochmah, not in a Malbush of Nevoah and Ruchnius, okay, did one into the thing. They won. And this was a Ness. I think the ratio was seven to one. I think there were seven or eight Greeks to every one Jew in the war. And the Jews won. It's an amazing thing. But the Bonisham said, I give you a parting gift. I give you a parting gift. What's my parting gift? Because you are Moisa Nefesh to demonstrate a new Malbush. Okay, on the Torah, my parting gift to you is I will let you see one more Ness. One more time. It's called, like they say in English, one more time. I will let you see that your mysterious Nefesh Staka Emes, and I'm gonna let something in a world. You have to understand something. Nisim was not coming into that time. The time of Hanukkah was not a time for Nisim. You know, the Teva, the relationship of Vuchtis and Gashmis was not such that it would cater to a Ness. What you know, the two did not connect in that way anymore. You see it. And the Bonisham said, "You're gonna have that Ness," and the Ness was in the ore. The concept of the awe, the light, which the scholar, where the Bonisham said, I will one more time show you, you see, that that what you are most nefesh is the emes. I am here, I've never left. And suddenly, one candle did for eight days, which is complete nest. That's a completely physical nest, and so on. Why don't Kazan mention it in Alanisim? Right, because the nest was really a reward. It wasn't the avoider. You know, Chazal. Chazal are very much keyed up on avoider. Okay? The mysterious nefesh of a yid. The avoider. Okay? So Chazal say that was the nest. You see, that you can beat an army that was seven times bigger than you. That's Takashtik nest. Could also be caused by a brilliant military strategies in a sense. But basically it was a nest. So Chazal said that the nest was the, was the, the Indian of Claudius Roll and the mysterious nefesh. You mean? That taka was a nest. The other nest was the Utaka of reward. It was a one-time event where the Banisham said, I will show it to you again. That which you worked for, you will earn and you will see it again. That's why Hanukkah is such shaykhist to us. You see it. And it's tremendous shaykhist to us. Why? Because we live in Hanukkah. Hanukkah is not something that happened way before our time in a sense, in a door where Ruchnes and Gashmis had a different interaction. It happens when it's the interaction that exists now. It's all Gashmias. It's Kula Gashmias. See? So Hanukkah is extremely important. When he takes those lights and he lights them, he's saying again the same thing and so on. Why? why? He's saying, you know something? Hashem Elohim. There is Ruchmias. I can't see it. I don't reside there anymore. I don't live in Ruchmias. You see? There's no Nevi'im. There's not even Machavshvin. There's nothing. There's not what the Zohar, all of that fancy stuff. It only exists in the movies probably in some level. It doesn't exist in reality more. But you know something? It's still here. These lights tell me it's still here. In that kind of sense and so on. 
the goddess of Hanukkah is an extra war. Why? Because there would have been a nest, what, if there would have been two days for a one-day flask, right? Or three days, right? You got one day, the oil lasts, but teva, right? So the second day is a nest. The third day is even a bigger nest. Why another seven days? Why another seven days of the nest and so on? So the mystery of Hanukkah is even deeper. What the Barisham said, let me tell you the future. Hanukkah or the, the, the nails of Hanukkah is the future. It is. But it's a future that, I mean, I'd have to sit here for days. To, what, what, what future? What, what do these lights tell us? What do these seven miraculous lights tell us? Not the one day, which was Teva. What do the seven tell us? Really? What? You know? It tells us that it's like Moshe, that the Bodhisattva said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, that which you demonstrated will become your reward, but much greater than you even think. What did the Jews do on Hanukkah? They established the oil of Mokhni in a Hestadika fashion in the oil of Gashmi. The ability to see Mokhnias in Gashmias is an awe. It's an awe, it's a haskola. It's a certain awe, the ability to see the true nature of existence, okay, when it's covered up. But what Hanukkah shows is something else, that there are seven different levels of existence. Each level is an awe, it's hasoga, where you suddenly see the nature of existence in, in hasoga terms. So that first day is teva, it's existence in natural order, where you don't see Mokhnis anymore, Gashmis. The second day already, you're really looking at the Ruchni sticker underpinning of Teva. The third day is the Ruchni sticker underpinion, underpinning of the second day. You see, the fourth day is of the third day. So what's happening is, is that you're not simply dealing with Teva and the Maila Teva. You're dealing with Teva, the Maila Medecha Teva. The Maila, the Maila Medecha Teva. Lamaila, Lamaila, Lamaila. In other words, what happens is you're looking at all the stages of existence where each stage becomes a Gashmias and the one behind it becomes its Ruchnias. So gradually what you are is you're sitting there and your Tferis or your ability, your ability to see Eneloki gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So each Madrig of all is a new Chiddush. And the Abunisham says, and on that eighth day, that's Olam Haba. You will slowly progress through many levels of consciousness till you get to a madrig of oil haba, which is finally when you're seeing what? You're seeing the whole concept of Ruchnias in seven different levels of existence. That's an incredible aftakor. So in the nearest of Hanukkah, because you didn't have to have eight, well they had eight days. But the truth of the matter is right, I mean, there could have been other things, but it could have been two. One day already shows a nest. Two days on a one day flask is already a nest. You see it. Eight days, because in the end, what the Bodhisattva is saying is that there are seven madregas, you see, to Ruchnias, each one being the panemius of the one in front of it, and so on, and a deeper level. And you have to understand what the concept of panemius. Panemius, what does panemius mean? Panemius of Tsoimus. Panemius means is that you're looking at a level of existence which is underneath another level of existence, you see, which you cannot grasp. You cannot grasp what does that mean another level of existence. It's not other entities and other things. It's the, a malach on level three cannot be masik a malach on level four. 
Ken, it's like he's, he, he's out, of, it's out of context completely. A malach on level 3 cannot, cannot master level 4 because a malach on level 3 trying to be master a malach on level 4 is almost like you trying to be master a shtick what the ain't safe is, which is a panemius of you. You see it. And these are the hasogas. And all of these hasogas are based on one fundamental idea. How did I start this year? I started this year with what idea? With the idea that Wuchtis and Gasmias are dynamic. They're interactive and they're constantly changing the way they relate. You don't realize that. You want Wuchtis and Wuchtis and Gasmias. It's not true. Throughout history, there have been three fundamental changes between the two. Odomushin Koidomachet, when they were merged. Odomushin Achachet, when they became separated and suddenly. Gashmis becomes a residence. And that's why Misa, death, came involved. Because if we reside here, okay, we have to pick ourselves up and move somewhere else completely different. That's called death and so on. Okay, that's the second. But at least that, you could still at least visit Ruchnis with Navua and these things. Until finally, there is no Navua, there's no Ruchnis. You lived here, you thought here, you slept here, you ate here, you ended. Here was where you are. Mesem. Okay. Represents what? Is when Muchtis and Gashmis return to the way they related by Odom Koydam Achet. Hashivenu Hashem Elachav and Hashuva. Chadesh Yomenu Kedem. What's that mean, Chadesh? Is it Kedem? It's here, it's not Chadesh. No, we go back and we go back to the Madrek of Muchtis and Gashmis, Nisham and Guf, as it was by Odom Mishin Koydam Achet. That's Tchias Amesim. Every Nisham and Nishamayim. As far as I believe, in absolute is, is is of spilkus waiting to come back to his guf, because when he comes back, he's not coming back to get up again and what, and he's coming back and so on. Because it means that tchias mason doesn't mean that the the shomers come back to the guf. That's not what it means. It means that ruchnius and gashmius merge again, and so on. So memela, there's no death. If you don't reside in a physical world as opposed to a spiritual world, you're not dying anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You're there already. You don't go to a place where you already live. And that's what they're waiting. They're waiting <coughs> for the two Elamas to be mishtatev and mishchaber in such a way that there is no death. There's no aging. There's no death. There's no disease. All of these machshavas that exist because of the inyam of what? Of rachamim which is the central instrument of Rachman, is to disengage Wuchlis and Gashmis in a certain way. So all of these Chochmas, death only comes because Gashmis and Wuchlis separate. That's where you have Misa. When the Bodhisattva said to other Mishnahs, he was telling him the new state of Wuchlis and Gashmis. That's what he was saying. Not that you're going to die. Other Mishnahs was talking, what do you mean die? What death? I'm only, what about death? I live in the world of I'm here. Where am I going? So the Bonnet himself, I will transfigure the two. There will be a new matzav. In this new matzav, <coughs> you will experience the separation to what we call death or aging or whatever the story is. And that's the concept. So Hanukkah is a turning point in history. Well, for the first time until the end of human history, which is now, until Trias Mesim, Gashmius reigns supreme. Wokeness exists. You can only feel it a little bit. And that's it. And that's it. And we have to wait to that time when the Mashiach comes, which is what you said before, which is true. 
but it's not exactly what that means. It's when the Mashiach comes, and especially Mashiach Benesov, will restore Wuchtis and Gashmias to the interaction that they had when it first started. And that's the Emistika Gula. That's a real Gula on an incredible level. And from that point, both Wuchtis and Gashmias eventually go to another stage. It's not called Tchias What is it called? It's called the elimination of the duality of Wuchtis and Gashmias. When the two realities themselves suddenly merge, not like this, but like this, where you can't see the difference, and then finally both of them disappear, the glasses come off, and then who comes back? Yeah. You come back. The real you without the issue of Nam the Sufa. And we cannot begin to imagine what that even begins to look like. Okay. What's that? What's that? Because the goof is a lens and the neshama is a lens. They want to get rid of all lenses. They can't do that until the two lenses come together and both disappear. But what is the goof is the compromise with essence. It tends to be higher than I have. Yeah, both the both disappear, but they first merge. And then they both disappear. And Zichok al Guf. How is Chacham out of Minavi? A Novi is, even though a Novi is greater than Chacham, because a Novi is connected to Mochnius. But he's weaker than a Chacham because he cannot see the Yichot. He sees his Devoor is always in Maris, he sees it in visions, which sees multiplicity in existence. Was a chokhum always sees everything connected. Haskola sees yichud. It sees it's, it, everything is connected. You know, and it, it sees the yichud of everything. Even though all of you look at them, you're all you're all men. Haskola is meyached all multiplicities. But in, in through eyes, through eyes, gashmis. There's also self-awareness, but the, the neshama is different. The neshama, the neshama of a guy does not see, it barely sees the organism, or he feels. Yeah, the same sense of self. What's the oilam haba of a guy? You know, the, you know, the best way I, 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 the best thing I said is like this. I, I think the way I understood it. Let's say Oilam Haba, for example, is a, let's say Oilam Haba is a place where you sit and you're looking at, you know, you're watching something, okay? If you look at the eye, when you're, when you're looking at something, there are three levels, three levels of ocular activity, means the activity of the eye. One, okay, fundamentally, there's the, there's the retina, Light comes in on an object, comes into the retina, and it hits about uh, like a hundred million retinal cells. 
Okay, and it produces suddenly, those cells take the light, it's like a photoelectric, and convert them to electricity. The electricity then passes the optic nerve all the way into the brain, and then it goes to a certain part of the brain. So the second level is the optical nerve. It translates all light signals into electrical signals. That's the second ear. You can either see something optically, you see it, you know, in red light, you see it as a light being, or electronically. Finally, the, the optic nerve goes to the brain. The brain takes all those electrical impulses, converts that into an image on the mind. It's like on the screen. So what you're really seeing is the mind is saying, this is the represent an image of whatever that is, and so on. So there are three levels of visions, okay? So the point is what I would say, a yid, because a yid, Yisrael, after Bishachot, Yisrael, and he gets the highest matrix of Olam Haba, he sees everything cerebrally. You know, it's, he sees Olam Haba with the brain. That's what it really looks like. That's the brain. That's really where it all comes together. Okay. The goy sees it, okay, ret retinally. You know, it's what a goy sees. You know, it's like, it's like, um, let's say, for example, let's say, for example, you, you know, you're watching, uh, you know, you're watching a movie. You're sitting in a, a movie, a documentary. You're watching, and you're looking at it. That's the best thing. You're looking at the movie. If somebody can't be in the theater, he's in the projection room. So he's looking at the movie by following the tape. You know what I mean? He's looking at the tape in the, in all the, you know, in, in the movie. That's him. That's the movie to him. You know what I mean? So, so the guy is the guy who's watching the movie through the tape. I mean, whatever simcha that is, that's, you know, it's better than nothing, I guess. As opposed to the person who's mom's watching it, it's uh, popcorn or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so, the same thing, a guy is seeing it but in a different form, you know, in electrical forms. My question is, is he also a chenik of a kind of mouth? Yeah. That you can't, if you're an Elohim Abba, you're an Elohim. There's no, you're, you're a madrig of Elohim. You're a you can't get to, Elohim Abba is when the Shechina, which is you, becomes a tooth ferris. It just breaks out completely. It's a, what's that? I'm sorry, Goyim? Yeah. Yeah, well, well, it depends on the guy. But the Brochata Vom of was which means that the Bonichim didn't say that Vom, I'm only keeping my bris with you and everyone is going is to be kaput. No. He said, I'm making like an older brother, younger brother scheme. You mean? You're simply the older brother, and that's it. The younger brother cannot acquire what you can acquire because you have tired bitches and you have a Tanaya guarantee, they can't. But you know something? So, you're a landlord, you can build a house, they can rent the room. Renting a room is a Madrega Noila Maba. Owning the house is a bigger Madrega Noila Maba. But they can rent, which means you can't get to that Madrega unless you have some shaykhs to the Ainsurf. It's not possible. Because it's the Ainsurf that suddenly becomes the power. I mean, that's you're feeling it. There's no Namdik Sufa, there's no borders in, in any disempowered way. And the guy can feel that. But obviously it's much weaker, it's a, digi a different form. I, I can't explain what form that is, I don't know. But it's a much lower form. But these two started to separate. Yeah. Is that why people live much longer, right? And it went down very quickly? In essence, all the differences between the Doris we showed them were the biggest Doris of all. Because yeah, we don't realize that, you know, the first two Parshas in the Torah are the Doris we showed them. They were the greatest of all the Doris. They were. They were incredible. How do we know? Because the Mabal, they were killed. The Mabal killed them. The Mabal was the 
of Mashiach turned into water. They died from the old Mashiach. The Bunishim did not kill someone with the old Mashiach. They destroyed the song. So they were the biggest. The problem was that they, there was no guarantee. In other words, you know, they, they could get Olam Abba, but they can also lose him. And when he came to Abba, he said, I'm going to give you a, a guarantee. Your children will make it. They will have a chilek in Olam Abba. They can still lose it a little bit. But fundamentally, with Tayyad Mitras, they will make Olam Abba. There's a guarantee in that sense. Do you see anything significant to the fact that today people are starting to live longer again after five, five and a half thousand years? There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a physical concept of biochemistry with telomeres, where they're trying to lengthen the genetic pools where people live long and so on. But, you know, but, 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 but again, you understand something. In the end, if you really... It's an answer that you, you really can't follow, but it's an answer. If you want to understand the entire Torah, really, not in the Pidievitika forms, you got to go back and say to the previous form, say, what was supposed to happen? You know, what, what was really supposed to happen? You know, when, with all these Pidievitika, what was really supposed to happen? And you have to say to yourself, what was the Madrega of Vuchtis and Gashmis at that point in time? Because it's the Madrega Vukht. See, you might say, what do you mean Madrega Vukht? It's, it's Vukht and Gashmis. It's not. There's a, there's a whole different Minanushi, mankind, if Vukht and Gashmis are like this, as opposed to like this. This allows Misa. Because since Vukht and Gashmis are separate, you can only live in one and not the other. That's called death. So you stay in one, you die, and then you move to the other. There's a movement. But it, there's no death in this one. Other mission was never supposed to die. So the concept of death and aging all have to do with the concept of what? Of the halkman. What is the relationship of Ruchtis and Gashmis? You understand what I'm saying? Because that's the mechanism. Those are the two lenses that a person has to choose and so on. And there's a relationship between those lenses, the way they interact and so on. But that's the machine. The dynamic or the machine of all of history is the movement of Ruchtis and Gashmis. And the Ramchal, he, he says, he doesn't say precisely this, but you can see, he calls it Tigbar Yusavah, the ascendancy of evil. What I mean the ascendancy of evil? It doesn't mean that people are becoming more and more Rishoyim. I mean, you know, uh, in a certain sense, they were more Rishoyim back then and so on. What it means is that Ruchtis, that our ability to connect to Ruchtis is, is dis it disappeared. It's still there, we're still having the Shoma, but it, it, the Shoma only now is there, like little blips on a radar screen, you know what I mean? Like, don't do this. Do this, don't do this, you know what I mean? But it, it, you don't, nobody gets up in the morning saying, you know something, where's the Banisham? I, I have to connect to the Banisham today. Man, what, what is that? You know what I mean? Yeah, people say, I, I want to go to Yeshiva today, I'm going to start a Shia. But nobody, nobody is, is, you know, uh, Nobody has a cheshek for the Bonishom or such. There were back in the name of Akiva. Yeah. That was, that was after but the they were much closer. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva said that Nevoah used to be the dividing line. You see it. But Rabbi Kiva said in Sarebi Chiddush is that the dividing line was extended to Ruach HaKodesh. When we said over there that we still have Ruach HaKodesh. What does that mean? It means that it's no longer Nevoah. Nevoah dropped to a lower level of slight visitation. You know, you can, you know, it's like... He was able to reach high Madrigas, the Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Who? Because of his Haskola. Chachma ben Yosef was the, the greatest living person in Haskola. He, Mamash, he was Zerfer to the old Mashiach. Mamash. He was the only human that ever made that. To the old, the 50th no, uh, yeah, only, yeah, right, right, through Gashmis. Yeah, but the Chachma is beyond Gashmis and Ruchmis. 
Hoskola. It's, it's, a, it's a media, even Moshe Benu, Moshe was the greatest of all. Yet Moshe Benu wanted the Luchas, why did he want it? The Nun Sharebina, that's Haskola. The Nun is Haskola, you know Why? Because in the end, Chochem Adolf Benavi, the greatest ability to be Mare, to understand your Yichud with the Banisham and all of this comes to Haskola. The Mashiach in a Yaskalavdi, the goddess of the Mashiach as he gets out of his clippers, is to Haskola. The Mashiach does not grow in the Vua, in that real sense of thought. It's a scholar, and as a muscle, he's much greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, he's greater than Rome, Moshe, all of them. Even the Malachi Shores, you know. And it's a scholar in the end, with the, the like the Bodhisattva says, Im tesalal bezois tesalal, haskel v'yodei oisim. Which is Chochmah, because in Chochmah you see the yichud of everything. It allows you to understand everything. You know, one thing I say, which is also a thing, you know, like, you know, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechoi, you know, we, are, we have the, we have on Lag Ba'oma, we have the Holy Lord of Rabbi and so on. What was the goddess of Rabbi Shimon? What was the goddess? What's, what is the big deal of Rabbi Shimon ben Yechoi? I mean, it's a Tana, but what, what, what's the whole thing and so on? That Rabbi Shimon restored the Kabbalah in a certain sense. And that's completely untrue. He did not restore the Kabbalah. What he did was, he, he, he took it away from us. Because Rabbi Kiba ben Yosef, because he was Mashiach and he reached the 50th gate, he had the whole Kabbalah, not in the form of a Moshal, it was the form of a Nimshal. He understood it all, you mean? There was no Mashalim, you know I mean? Was the Kabbalah, all the deepest secrets of Hashkafah were not hidden in metaphors and symbols. He understood this. But when, he, when his Tamidim died, and it's a very big Kiddush of Rabbi Kiva, he had 24,000 students who died. And then after they died, he had five students. And these five students, Rab Meir, Rab Yoisi, Rab Shimon, and so these, these five students, from them came the whole Kolatoku that we know. What was the difference between the five students and the 24,000 before? The 24,000 students were Tamidim of a Mashiach. The five students were Tamidim of Rabbi Kiba ben Yosef, much lower Madrego. Why? Because Rabbi Kiba realized that it's not gonna happen, so we had to save the 50th gate. He didn't bring it back up like Moshe, he kept the Luchas. Rabbi Kiva kept the Nun, he kept it down here, but he put it in the form of a Moshal. Symbols, so that nobody understands it. And he said to Rabbi Shimon, I want you to take the whole, this whole Nun and put it in a form where no one could understand it anymore. However it is on. So nobody understands Kabbalah anymore really, in terms of what it's really saying. You understand what I'm saying? And this is Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon was master the Nun. So that we still have it, but in a form that we don't understand it anymore. So he saved it in a way. He saved it because it was decreed that there would be 2,000 years of the Golas of Rome, Edoim. But in that Golas, the Nun had to be in a martial form, like the Zoya, Kisviari. It was only the Ramchal that was finally given permission to open it up. You know, Ramchal is the first one that was given permission to begin to return it back to the Nimshal. You know what I mean? Because it was fake, because it's close to the Gula. You know what I mean? And so on. And even he kept it. You ever look at the Ramchal Sefer? Very hard to understand the Ramchal. You know what I mean? It's very hard, not even some of them. Because he was a Megala Tefach, Mechast Chaim. You know, he revealed certain things, but a lot of, you know, it was, it, they say the whole thing and so on. But in the end, the Galas of the Mashiach is the complete presentation of Kabbalah in the total form of Ashkofa, where it's completely understood by everyone. So what everyone will understand, the biggest Chachamim did not understand before, because it'll be open. You see what I'm saying? And then that's the thing. I mean, I get that Yotzach here two years ago on that, the 50th gate. The progress of the 50th gate, but that's a whole different thing. So, How do you see the idea you understand of what I'm saying? So, you know, you see, his, and all of this is Wachdis and Gashmis. 
You know, it's like a car engine. What runs a car? The engine. In the end, the ability of a car to perform, the way it performs, depends on the dynamics of the engine. How many pistons there are, I mean, all, all the stuff there, you know what I mean? The engine of Olam Hazer's Ruchnis and Gashmis, in their interactions, that runs, that determines the Shamas and the Sterim and Oiris, everything is determined, you know, by, by, by the interaction of Ruchnis and Gashmis. You see what I'm saying? And the tremendous Kiddush is that in other mission before the Kiddush, Ruchnis and were not Olamas. They were not oil, they weren't, they were lenses really. It was one man who could see, feel, sense two, two different ways of looking at himself and the Bonisham. He was able to look at his border in two ways. Either the Bonisham is, is a not me outside of me and therefore I'm outside of him, or he is me, except that I feel a border, but he's me. Ain't no you know what I mean? And that's that's Wuchnis and Gashmis, you see what I'm saying? So what, what role does Gashmis play on Ayan Abba? Why do you need Gashmis back? Why don't you just get rid of Gashmis? You, you don't need Gashmis, you don't need Wuchnis, you don't need anything. Both of these are lenses. Hmm. I, why do I have to look at eyeglasses if I can see with my own eyes? Because in, in, in the end, there's no such... What do the Sineshama is Nitzchus? No. And the real answer to that... There is no such thing as reality at all. Reality was, what is reality? Reality means that there's a certain aspect of existence which is outside of me, right? This cup is reality, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it exists and it doesn't exist. As far as myself is concerned, there is nothing. The only thing that the Bonisham ever made, and I'll tell you a, a fascinating concept, there's only one thing that God ever made, and that's it. That's it. The only thing the Bunish ever made was an Ein Soif, and then a Zalassai, which is a Simpson. And that's it. There is nothing else. Everything else comes from the Zalassai. The Bunish took Namdik Sufa and extended it out, and that became the two lenses. The duality of Namdik Sufa came out as a reality, Ruchkis and Gashmis and so on. Everything comes out of the Zalotzoi, Yetzon, Yetzon, It all comes out of Nam Sufa. It comes out of him and becomes a reality. He's got to choose the reality, and once he makes the choice, that reality becomes him, and then the thing, everything goes back. And all that's left is the self. And that's all in the Mabba. So it's not an issue of Gulf and Neshama. Neither one of them is you. They both exist in some way to present different emphasis to you. You need to choose what it is. There's different levels of neshama. There's one called yechida. This forum say, could that be the self? The yechida and the neshama. That's the highest level of the neshama. Very hard to get to. Mashiach's only going to get it at the end. But that's no. not that's not no. the self either. No. No. The self is a symptom of the self. The yechida is a neshama, but it's a neshama at the level of it's a neshama. It's an neshama at the level, or the shechina at the level, where you completely connect to the ain't safe in you, and you don't feel like it's outside of you, or it's different. You, there's no division between you and your own ain't safe. You feel a border, but you don't sense a division at all. And that's that's the shechina in the noon, in the highest point of the first. You see what I'm saying? And the echida, that would be the echida. Well, there you got it. So, so who's the B and who's the Neshama? Elokai 
well, you, it's, you, and the Kai, as far as we're concerned, is the ain't safe. That's in, that's in me. Right. Well, no. It's the ain't safe by himself before Tzimtzum, who was with Samson himself, and then put a Nishama into me, which is a lens. Tahiri. Yeah, be careful not to destroy the lens. Mm. You have to look through it and not destroy it. But that itself says that the neshama and the bee, the bee is you. Bee, that self. The neshama is simply a lens. What does Farm that say that the neshama is a chedek of the kami All arguing also. The is a chedek Tanya, the beginning, the first paragraph. The neshama is a chedek of the kami Where it all starts, if anyone knows God, where does it start? What was the first... <coughs> What was the first product of Simpson? What's the first product of Simpson? Right after the end of Simpson. Who? The Bria, no? What? The Bria. No. The Bria was. No. Who the couple is there? Adam Kavanagh was Who? Adam Kavanagh? No. It's a bubble. <laughs> Man, hey. no, I, I don't know these things, you know that. <laughs> the Rishimu. What is the Rishimu? Uh, so, so. What does the word Rosh mean? A trace, a Sha'imus. The Rishimu is a trace of who? Right. That's the Zalasari. That's the first Zalasari. Yeah. Nobody talks about the Rishimu, and that's a tremendous mistake. The Rishimu is you. I never know what it means. I yeah. The Rishimu is you. The, the Chiddush, the Chiddush is not the Rishimu, the Simpson, what Simpson did was create a Rishimu by creating a circle so that the Rishimu was in there separating the Rishimu from the Ainsoif. It's the circle which is the incredible thing of the Simpson. It's separated. What the Bonisham did was, the Ainsoif did not separate himself from the Rishimu. The Ainsoif created a separation through a border so the Rishimo is the new version of the Ainsaif. In a border? In a border. Exactly. But in that form, that's you. That's I mean, way before. Way before. Wow. No, it's not way. No, no, no. no. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. It's not one time or a million times. Let me mushalize, nimshalize some of the. Let me say something. <laughs> With the, the, way, the Rishimo is the Zulasai. It's the Ainsaif in a border. Mamash. What happened? In that form, the Rishimu feels Nam Sufa. It's the beginning of Din. Din means it senses Nam Sufa. So the Ainsaif says to the Rishimu, you gotta get rid of it. You can have a Shlemus to go to Mabo. So what does it do? What does it do? What does the Ainsaif do to the Rishimu? What's the next step? Puts an oar into the Rishimu. A kav. It suddenly puts an oar. From the Ainsaf, not the Rishimu, or from the, from the Ainsaf, that suddenly takes the Rishimu and from the Rishimu brings out ten spheres, which is Adam Khatman. What are these ten spheres? What are they? A sphere is nothing more than a capacity to massacre oneself. That's all it is. A sphere is an energy, a certain type of energy, which allows you to massacre your Namdak Sufa. And there were 10 of them representing Din and Lachamim and so in different stages. So, what was, so therefore, the Odom Kadmon is the Rishimu in the form capable of having a Tikkun. The Rishimu is in the form where there's no Tikkun possible. It just has Namak Sufa. 
Therefore, we say that the Rishimo is the first product of a Hanaga called Chesed. You know, the Barisha makes a Rishimo, right? Once the Rishimo has a problem of border, which is the, the circle, you know, the Cholot says that, then suddenly the Ainsaf says, we got to get you fixed. So I have to put you in a form where you become capable of Tikkun. So it changes the Rishimo into a form called Tensphirus. The Tensphirus is the Rishimo in what's called a Tikkun form. And then starts the thing. Then starts Capable the, of Tikkun, not a Tikkun form. Ta- capable of it. It's now vulnerable to try. And that's right. That, that's what the thing is. We never, the world never goes back, even in Zichot, the world never goes back to the Rishimo. Why? We go back to Adam Kadmon. Oilam Habor is considered to be Adam Kadmon. What it is, it's, it's the form of the Rishimu in the form of Tikkun. Why does it go back to that? Why don't we go back to the form of Rishimu? Because we are defined by our Tikkun. So in the end, you, whatever Rishimu you are is what you've established through the Ten Spheres. So the Ten Spheres, which are energies that allow you to massacre yourself, become like a badge. You see it. Your tense fears is like a badge that says, this is the madrig of your tikkun. This is the madrig of your tikkun. So everyone has a badge composed of tense fears that identify where you're holding in terms of the tikkun of Dhamak Sufa. And that's your own Moilam Abba. So what does it mean that the spheres are mashpir, the whole world? They create everything. Everything creates them. The, the Ramchal says that the neshama and the gof, everything comes out of the spheres. That's why it's tzelem alakim, right? Created before the spheres. The spheres didn't create anything. No, they didn't. The spheres are tikkunim. They're energies that allow tikkunim to take place. That's what they are. And that's why they don't exist right away. What it does exist right away is the Rishimu, which is the Zulasa. The Zulasa is an answer for the border. It's exactly what it is. You see it. Did the spheres change the Rishimu and create a new being? Because Dramchal says that the spheres created. They don't they create what? The, 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 the person resembles the spheres. Yeah, right? because what happens is you go into a tikkun form. You go into a form of tikkun. Now you can... Tikkun of what? What does he have to be masakin? Nam sufa. That's what you have to be masakin. And in the form of ten spheres, you are capable of doing that. So you have to say something very important, John. Where does free will come from? Where does free will come from? What does that mean, you have free will? What is that? Where does it come from? You understand what I'm saying? The Banishim didn't give you free will as such. Your free will means that there's something in you that's beyond everything. There is nothing that controls you, which means that there's something in you that is beyond all reality. It goes, it exists, that its existence transcends all reality. There's nothing outside of you. Therefore, you're free. If there's something outside of you that can influence you, you're not free. Free will means that there's something about the way you exist that cannot be controlled or dealt with. Where does it come from? From you. It comes directly from the inner core of who you are. It doesn't come from the outside. It cannot be controlled from the outside. What in you has, cannot be controlled by the outside? Well, there is no outside. It's the Ein Seif. The gift of free will comes from the fact that the Ein Seif is in you. And that's, you're free. You see, the border, however, subscribes the free will. So at any moment in time, 
anything, you know, you are always a combination of free will, ain't safe, and reality or border called chelek. Namik Suf is a result of the steerer between chelek and enokah. That's the problem. And so, and how do the spheres rectify? The spheres are simply the, it, it's a certain sewer that in that sewer you can modify, you can exhibit free will and change how you relate to the outside, to the Bonishon. How can you change from where you started? You have certain ingredients you get started, you're creative with. How, do you, how did that change? It's, it's, you have to understand what free will is. You're right. Normally, what's the, when you say something has a certain nature, nature means you can't change it, right? It's your nature. Right. Your nature means there's something in reality that your essence is your reality which dominates you. Free will means you don't have a nature. You don't have a nature. What your nature is, it's up to you. Well, wait a minute, how could you make your own nature? That's the Ain Seifi part of you. So the highest status one can ever attain is a relationship with Ain Seif? Not yeah. a relationship with the Abishtha? The Abishtha is behind the Ain Seifi. That one will never be able to, he doesn't want to ever, ever, well, no, first of all, don't get sad. You cannot see, know, or have any connection whatsoever with Atsmusai, with the Banisham as he is. Because he's not only beyond the border, he's even beyond not border, no border. He's beyond any concept of any of that. So you can understand the answer if, if you could. Fast, you can understand Atsmusai. But he's there. He's the show. He, he's the one. So the Ainsuf is, is an instrument in his hand. Whether the Ainsuf itself is some other kind of being or however, but he's an instrument. Why does he create an Ainsuf to get to you? Why? Because first he has to make something without a border and then make something with a border. Atzmusoy has nothing to do even without border. It's beyond anything and so on. So the Bunishman himself cannot make you. The Bunishman, he cannot mitzamtzum himself, given of a border, because he's beyond even the absence of a border. You know, the notions of a border, the presence or the absence, has to do with border. Atzmus has nothing to do with border in any case. So he creates an ainsoif, which is the absence of a border, and then the ainsoif makes something with the presence of a border. So we can relate to the ainsoif. But in the end, who do you think you daven to? Do you daven to the ainsoif, or do you daven to Atzmusai? Who? Atzmusai. Yeah, your relationship was Bobonisham. Except that it's beyond any type of comprehension. So, the only thing you can comprehend in any sense is the Ainsif as an absence of border. But in the end, the only thing you can comprehend is the Ainsif in you. And that's the one you relate to. When you understand your own godless and the Yichud of you, you have a beginning of an anig of the Yichud of Ainsif and, 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 and so on. But, you know but these things. But, but as such, we cannot comprehend. And so, if, it surely cannot atzmusay, but your tefilas at atzmusay, because atzmusay is the being. That's God, is atzmusay. You understand what I'm saying? He's the director, but that director cannot. You know, it's like you know, you know, it's like, you know, like for example, the fish in the ocean. The fish in the ocean, right, cannot comprehend something which is outside of the water. What does that mean outside of the water? This is, this is where it is. All the action is taking place in the water. What, what action? What are you talking about outside of water? It's no concept is something outside of water. You know what I mean? Yet the one who is outside of the water, let's say he's the one that's running everything in the water. So you know that there's something outside the water which is incomprehensible. You're relating to that, but not through an understanding. 
but you just know that it's there, and that's who you relate to. But you only relate to him to whatever vestige is in you. You see what I'm saying? It's a limitation. But not direct, it's an indirect limitation. But in the end, the one who you must follow to is Atzmusay. He's the engineer. He's the, he's the mechanic. He's the manufacturer. He's the boss. You know? Atzmusay is both getting together. You say if and if at once. Who? Atzmusay is both getting together. That's the most you can get to. I mean, saying that he's cool and not cool. Who? No, the, the Ain't Sof has no Gvor. You're a Yesof, you have a Gvor. Atzmus is neither. There's nothing to do with neither. It's absolutely incomprehensible. It's existence. So, you know, no I, I could play with this a little bit, but that, this is, you know. He's saying that he's Gvor and not Gvor at once. That's the biggest you could. No, Who's Gvor? That's, 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 that's you, that's you, that's you. So what's you're, you're, you're a Gvor and not Gvor at the same time. You're a hybrid. And the hybrid is the problem of Namdak Sufa. It is. It's a both. It's a stira. How could you be free and have nothing outside of you and have a border where you sense there's something outside of you? Make up your mind. Nishtahi, nishtahir. You mean? You understand? But and, the and, of essence and existence, where you started back all those years. Yeah. So that's what? That is... When you put, you put it into the words that, essence That's the world of din. That's multiplicity. Like, we all... We, you know... We exist, you know, we, we exist and we have an essence of definition and we also exist, but the two are separated. In the self, they're not separated, they're the same. But, but that doesn't come into this concept of a no. gvul versus an akvul? No, no, no. That's a double gvul. Essence of existence is an aggravation of gvul. That's in the world of din, which is our world of kashmir, and rochdias. You know, but I, again, that's a... I mean, that's post, I mean, that's a, in, in today's present existence. There's three levels of existence that we see. Chesed, Din, Rachman. Each one is a different level of existence. Totally different from the one thing. You understand? Olam Haba is a level of existence that corresponds to the Mitzah Chesed. In order to solve Namdak Sufa, which appears in the world of Chesed, right? right. The Bodhisham created Din. But to see to it that Din doesn't destroy you, he also created Rachman. But in each new creation, each Hanaba changes the way existence is. Totally. And essence and existence comes in where? What's that? The concept of essence and existence. Comes in the world of din. That's only in the world of din. Only in the world of din. Ain't soif is before existence? Ain't soif is, yeah, it's before the world of chesed. It's before the existence of, of us, the ye soif. You know, us, yourselves. Yeah. I know this, it's not, this is like very chedushim, it's not its own, but that, you know, if you, if you look, if you really, if you look and see the Torah, the what's that? In essence, Torah is, is the machshava of Atzmusai, if it were a machshava form. But it's not. But the Torah is, is the way the Ainsaf talks to us. The Ainsaf. You mean? The way the Ainsaf talks in what's called Torah. But not in one that we see in Torah, the concept, the Musogam. The Musogam of Torah is the Hasogas of the Ainsaf, if we can say that. We really can't. You mean? It's all. Well, is static. Then when he speaks that, it's not a lawyer. That is definitely between Elohim and Shvi, Elohim and Shvi. She, 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 she,